I was supposed to do a welcome. Welcome. Let's worship.
ocean, our hearts are yours. We want you. We want you. Come and consume all we are. We give you permission. Our hearts are yours. We want you. We want you. So come and consume. I love your voice 
You can give him better than that. (laughs) My wife is nice and kind. I'm not so kind. You're going to find that out today, especially if you're new. Let's dismiss the kids at this time. You may be seated. All my life. All my life. All my life. Even when I wasn't following, he was good. Even when I was in rebellion, he was good. Even now, he's good. Okay, I'm the only one excited today. This, I'm, I'm going on a fishing trip today, just so you know. I just want to find out where we're at as a church. <laughs> I picked post-Easter. What a dumb time to preach this message. Um, Deborah's got an announcement. Don't forget to just step up at the end of the service. Um, just push me out of the way. You can do that. We are still in the same series we've been in since November. We're almost done. You're going to wish you skipped today. (laughs) Because the title is A Bad Day. A Bad Day. Sometimes we just have bad days. 
Okay, just so you know, it's bad day. That's the real title. Let's, let's go ahead. We need to pray. I need to pray. Let, let's bring the Lord into this a little more. Father, you truly have been good to us. No matter where we've been or what we've done, you have shown love and grace and mercy towards us. You've provided for us. You've protected us. You've given us peace. A peace that passes all understanding. A peace that makes ungodly people crazy. Today is important. Because it's a truth, Father, that I believe that you've laid on my heart to tell your people that some might not take it the right way. Father, if there's an unbeliever in the room, I hope they understand that you are a righteous God, a holy God. You're a father who has no fear in disciplining your children. To correct us, to direct us in the right way. I need your spirit to soften the hearts of the people that are here today. And I need your spirit to open the hearts of the people that are here today. I believe everything that I'm preaching because it's your word, not mine. Encourage our hearts to receive it. In Jesus we pray and all God's people said, Amen, 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 Amen. amen. I always wanted to be one of those guys that preach peace. I always have. Maybe constant uplifting series of, series of messages that make you feel good. An Easter message that's more Eastery. I call it pastel preaching. Just a little softer color. Something that makes you feel good and warm and fuzzy. The problem is I don't believe that's the world in which we live in. I don't believe we live in a warm and fuzzy world. Our world has enemies all around us. It's no longer the 1960s when the kids could play in the front yard if you lived on a road. They can play in the front yard if you live way out in the bush in Napa. And you're only worried about cougars and bears, but you raise your kids to fight off cougars and bears. Amen? But I remember when I was a kid, there were always kids playing in front yards. And now you drive around and I don't even know why we have yards. Might as well just pave them over. Then you don't got to mow them, dads. Or moms. Got to be careful what day I'm talking to. There used to be a time when you could walk down the road to Landwehrs to get a soda. Two miles down to Landwehrs and back. And I think my mother loved me, but she sent me anyway. <laughs> there was a time where you could keep evil out of your house by simply locking the door, but you never had to lock your door. I lived in my parents' home for 20 years, and they never had a lock on a door. Lock on anything. They never locked the trucks. They only locked the fuel tank. That was, that was to keep the kids out of it. But they never locked anything. It's not that evil wasn't in our world. It just wasn't as apparent. But these kind of preachers that I'm talking about, the scripture says they're whitewashers of the word. 
Ezekiel chapter 13 verse 10 says, Precisely because they have misled my people, saying peace when there is no peace. And because when the people build a wall, these prophets smear it with whitewash. Whitewash is a thin layer of paint that kind of, kind of covers up the truth, but the truth always comes out. The truth of what's behind it comes out. And there's a lot of whitewashing going on today. But it'd be nice to just have people say, that was nice. The problem is we don't live in a nice time. In our story that we have been in for six months, and some of you said I couldn't do it. <laughs> Shame on you. Gideon has pursued the enemy of Israel with 300 men, and they were tired. 300 weary men. And their valiant efforts led to the death of 120,000 of God's enemy with 300 men. Now, God did most of the work, and that's how God works in our life. He does most of the battles, fights most of the battles for us. If you just get your hands out of it, you'd let him fight. He'd destroy more enemies in your life than you have. That's free. A sermon for another day. And they stopped, the Gideon and his army stopped for help from their own people, people known to be warriors, men of Succoth and Penuel. And we talked about those a couple of weeks ago. And the men of Succoth and Penuel, who were God's people, who were mighty warriors, declined to help and actually mocked Gideon for asking for help. Which led Gideon to make a promise that when God had given him victory over the enemy, that he would come back and publicly discipline the leadership of Succoth and destroy the men of Penuel. But just because God's people didn't help them, didn't stop Gideon from carrying out the call of God in his life. And he continued with his 300 men in their mission to defeat God's enemies. And that's where we're going to pick up the story right now. Because we had Easter last week in the, in the way of the series. Judges chapter 8 and verse 10. Now Ziba and Zalmunna, who are the enemies of God, who are Midianite kings, guilty of starving the Jewish people. When Ziba and Zalmunna were in Karkor with their army, about 15,000 men, all who were left of the army of the people of the east, for there had fallen 120,000 men who drew the sword. And Gideon went up by the way of the tent dwellers east of Noba and whatever that place is. And attacked the army. For the army felt secure. And Zeba and Zalmunna fled and he pursued them and captured the two kings of Midian, Zeba and Zalmunna. And he threw the army into a panic. And the Bible then says, then Gideon the son of Joash returned from the battle. Now, some smart pastor is going to find out what the ascent of Harris is, and he's going to inform you how it plays a part in it, but I'm not concerned about exactly where it was. I'm concerned about what they were doing. They returned from the battle. Gideon had just gotten victory over an enemy he'd been pursuing, and what's interesting to me is he didn't stop and celebrate. What they normally would have done is they would have, they would have captured the kings, they would have publicly cut off their heads, made fun of them, mocked them, and they would have gone on their way. They would have killed everybody else and just gone on their way. But that's not what Gideon did. Gideon, after gaining victory against impossible odds by faith in the word of God, immediately went back to the two peoples who refused to help. 
So instead of celebrating the victory that God had given him, they stopped and went back from the battle to deal with an issue that we most, most of the time we wouldn't think was an issue. The story goes on to tell us how Gideon found a young man and told him who the leaders of Succoth were. And I'll just help you out. Rebellious leaders are always found out. Rebellious leaders are always found out. And finding those leaders, Gideon kept his word. And we'll pick it up in verse 15. And he came to the men of Succoth and said, Behold, Zeba and Zalmunna, about whom you taunted me, saying, Are the hands of Zeba and Zalmunna already in your hand, that we should give bread to those your men who are exhausted? And he took the elders of the city and took the thorns of the wilderness and the briars and with, I'm sorry, and with them taught the men of Succoth a lesson. And he broke down the tower of Penuel and killed the men of the city. These are the people of God fighting the people of God. These are all God's children. These are all members of the Jewish family. And instead of going back and destroying, finishing off the enemy with victory and celebrating, he dealt with the God's people who rejected the help. You would think Gideon's priority would be to finish off the enemy, don't you? Don't you think, the, the, like if you're chasing an enemy, you want to finish the job. You want to make sure that enemy doesn't come back against you. You want to make sure that enemy doesn't fight you again. Yet to Gideon and his army of 300, there was a greater enemy the question is, who would be a greater enemy to God's people than the enemies of the world? Because what we believe as Christians is the problem is not on the inside, it's on the outside. It's the world, it's America, it's the nations, it's whatever, it's, it's, it's we'll say Satan. The enemy's out there. But what if the greatest enemy is within? What if the greatest enemy is within the church? What if the greatest enemy is within your own home? You lock the doors and you lock in the enemy. What if the greatest enemy is, is at your job, your workplace? What if it's not the outside? What if it is the inside? What if it's not the people that are against you? What if it's you? What if you're your own worst enemy? Okay, I can tell we're having fun now. Things have settled down. You would think the enemy would be outside, but the enemy that probably had priority to getting after victory was the enemy on the inside. It's the enemy on the inside. I'm going to say that again. It's the enemy on the inside. We would rather look out and say, the enemy's out there. What if the enemy is in here? Welcome to new life. I told you I was fishing. I want to find out if you're ready for meat or we're going to stay with milk. To find out who the enemy is, we have to examine the charges made against the men of Succoth and Penuel. And their charges were simple. They were guilty of refusing to help their own people in a war emergency. They're refusing to help their own people in a war emergency. They were guilty of mocking unbelief towards God's leadership and leading a rebellion against Gideon. Telling their people, don't help Gideon out. Gideon's asking for help. God's people need some help. They're 300, they're weary, yet they're faint, yet pursuing. Don't help them out. 
we're going to keep ours for ourselves. And they were guilty of assisting the enemy by not coming to the aid of their own people. They did not make it easier on their own people. They made it harder, so they were serving the enemy. The men of Succoth and Peniel were punished for high treason. Treason is a crime of betraying one's own people. Especially by attempting to kill or overthrow its leadership. And these same things happen in the church, in the home, and in the workplace. There are those around you who, when you're in great need, should support you that don't. Who should sacrifice for you, but they don't. Who should serve with you, but instead choose treason. Treason happens when a husband or a father in a home seeks to lead his family to be more godly and a wife and a mother and the children don't help. It could be the other way. It could be a wife who wants to lead their family to a more godly position and the spouse doesn't help. Your problem's not out there. Your problem's in your own home. Treason happens when an employee tries to be a godly employee and the employer makes him be ungodly, makes him do ungodly things. And he becomes treasonous towards the business, towards his faith. In our context that we've been in for the last six months, the people of God had an enemy against them because they refused to obey the word of God and were worshiping false gods instead. Remember how far back that was in November? They were worshiping idols. So God sent a man of God to preach the word of God to the people of God to get them to repent and come back to God. And when they did, God called a man of God named Gideon to defeat the enemies that they had raised up to to discipline them. To lead the people of God to victory over the enemy that was destroying their lives. But when the man of God needed the help of God's people, specifically from Succoth and Penuel, they committed treason by refusing to answer Gideon's call. God's own people who who were being fought for by Gideon and his men made it harder on them by committing treason. This is why Gideon would, before Gideon would celebrate his victory, he had to deal with a real enemy. And I want unbelievers in this room to understand that God deals with his own people. I'm going to say that again because I think sometimes unbelievers think that Christians get away with a lot of stuff. Let me tell you something. My God has no problem disciplining his children. He doesn't put us in a timeout in a corner. He deals with us, and sometimes very harshly, especially when it comes to treason. Before the judgment seat, before the judgment of Satan in the book of Revelation, God disciplines his children at the judgment seat of Christ. I, I would think that when it comes to the end, that God says, let's, let's deal with Satan. Satan's the real problem. No, God deals with us first. See, I believe treason or betraying God's own people is that grievous of a sin. And I'll just be honest, I refuse to whitewash it. There's such a thing in the Christian life as public discipline by, and those who betray God's people 
should be disciplined. But I don't think it's preached a lot anymore. I don't think we want to upset people. We want to be, I want to preach peace, peace. I want you to like me. I do. I'm just being honest. That's the kind of person that I am. I want you to like me, but I love God more than I love you. And I've got to be submissive to what he's calling me to do, not what you're wanting me to do. But I think most, mem- most Christians today are seeking teachers having itching ears who will tell them what they want to hear. That's why nobody preaches this stuff anymore. There's such a... Oh, I already said that. There's such a thing as in the Christian life as, as being humiliated for betraying God. Don't you think people who claim God to be their Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ being our Lord and Savior, shouldn't we be humiliated by not doing what the Scripture says? Shouldn't it bring shame to us to claim His name and then not live according to His life? Amen. It's always that old school phone. (laughs) See, I already preached a sermon in this series called I Don't Want to Be That Guy. I never want, but I also want to add one more. I never want to be that guy that commits treason against God's people. I never want to be that guy that that, that, that causes treason against my wife. I never want to be that guy that causes treason in my own job, in my business, in my life. So the Bible tells us there's a difference between true Christians and treasonous Christians. So I want to bring a little positivity into this moment so that you guys all don't run out of the building screaming. (laughs) Romans 12.9 tells us what a true Christian is. Let love be genuine. Let it be real. Let let it be true. Don't just, and, and we see this in this moment in time where Lots of people say they love each other, but they don't really love each other. The word love, according to the scripture that I could read in this passage, is it's the kind of love that sacrifices your life for another. For God so loved the, loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. God showed his love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Their love is genuine. Abhor that, was, that which is evil. We, we should hate the things that are evil. We should hold fast to that which is good. Just in those two sentences right there, you've got to get rid of all of your streaming services. I don't know where to go now. Love one another with brotherly affection. You know, I've got brothers, and you know what's cool about brothers is we might hate each other one day, but we have to love each other the next day because we're still brothers. I can't get away from the Roberts family. If, if I should bring my brothers down one time and have, you, have them all stand behind me, and they all look like me. They all, they're all good-looking men. They're handsome and smart. But sometimes they do really stupid things. But I can't get away that I am a Roberts and I belong to them. As Christians, we our brothers and sisters in Christ. Outdo one another in showing honor. The other day, I was sitting in a room and I was doing some discipleship and the, and the couple said, thank you so much for what you're doing. We appreciate you so much. 
And, and I thought, well, you're not going to outdo me in honor. Thank you for listening to me and paying attention to the word of God because it's, it's really exciting to me to see people who are excited about Jesus. You're not going to out-honor me. Uh-uh. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. I think those all go together. Be slothful in zeal, fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. A true Christian serves God. Right? Rejoice in hope. Like we should rejoice. We have the hope of Jesus Christ. Be patient in tribulation. Stop trying to get out of problems and start praying about the problems you're already in. Be constant in prayer. Maybe that's part of the problem. A true Christian is constant in prayer. They just pray all the time. We've got some new Christians, and I, I've been doing something different with my discipleship. I'm forcing them to pray. Like, if you're going to be in my office, you're going to pray. Because I pray all the time. I want, I want you to practice how to be constant in prayer. I want you to be constant in communication with God. True Christians are in constant communication with God. Contribute to the needs of the saints. And seek to show hospitality. We don't take care of each other the way that I think the Bible teaches we're supposed to take care of each other. I can tell you this. If there's a need in the world, the average Christian will help the need in the world before they help the need in the church. But true Christians always help the need of the church. Needs of the saints. Okay, I'll hurry up. Bless those that persecute you. Bless those do not curse them. Bless those who persecute you. Bless them and do not curse them. Do not curse them. Do not curse them. Good Christians don't do that. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Live in harmony with one another. Just think about the home for a minute. Live in harmony with one another. You can tell a Christian home because a husband and a wife live in harmony with each other. They actually like each other. They live together, together. Their kids are happy that their parents are together. Okay, I'll just keep going. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. You're not as smart as you think you are. Good Christians recognize that. I'm not as smart as I think I am. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, as far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all men. As far as you can control it, as far as you have the ability to forgive and to, and to let go and to release debt and to live peaceably with everyone, 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 even the school district. I don't know if you have problems with the school district. I just hear things. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. God will do a better job of disciplining who's ever harming you than you will. Amen. You're just going to get in the way of his discipline. I teach people that all the time. Don't get in the way of discipline. I used to teach, and I, okay, well, I'll probably go to jail for this. I used to use a paddle on my kids. Amen. <laughs> they may not think so. But I always taught them, don't put your hands behind you, because that, that's not the right way to go. Sometimes you get in the way of God's discipline. Good Christians don't. To the contrary, if your enemy is hung, hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. For in doing so, you'll heap burning coals on his head. 
Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Overcome evil with good. Overcome evil with good. A true Christian overcomes evil with good. A true Christian overcomes evil with good. For us as believers to live any other way is treasonous towards the name of Christ. It's refusing to help in a war emergency. And let me just tell you something. We are at war with Satan. You may not be, but we are. We're at war with the devil. We're called to be soldiers in the, in the, in the, in the army of Christ. And to act any other way is to help people and not help people, refuse to help people in a war emergency. It's evidence of mocking unbelief towards the leaders of God's people. I can't tell you the number of times I've preached, we need help, we need help, we need help. And it just goes over the heads of the average Christian. It's proof that somebody is assisting the great, our great enemy, Satan. You're not helping God's people, you're helping Satan. That's what the scripture's teaching. If you're not helping God's people, if you're not helping your church, if you're not helping your family, if you're not helping your employer, you're assisting Satan. A couple of things the Bible teaches about these men. We'll be done, I promise you, really soon. 20 minutes. And then I'll get done with my introduction and we'll start the sermon. <laughs> a couple of things the Bible teaches about these men so you can recognize them. They often hold leadership roles in a community. They often sow discord among the brethren by hold, and hold animosity towards pastoral leadership and mocking, of mocking unbelief. And when you hear it, when you hear them speak, you know what they're saying is not from God. Romans chapter 16 and verse 17 says, I appeal to you, brothers, to watch out for those who cause divisions and create obstacles contrary to the doctrine that you have been taught. Avoid them, avoid them, avoid them, avoid them. I feel like that's an alarm that should be going off in your head. For such persons do not serve our Lord Jesus Christ but their own appetites, and by smooth talk and flattery they deceive the hearts of the naive. For your obedience is known to all, so that I rejoice over you. But I want you to be wise to what is good and innocent and what is evil. God, the writer of Romans said, I want you to understand there's a difference between those who who are treacherous or treasonous and those who are true. Treason is a terrible sin. It should be talked about wherever truth is told. It should never be whitewashed. You should know that treason happens in the church. You say, I'm a new Christian or I'm not a Christian at all. I understand that, but I just want you to understand I'm not going to whitewash the fact that there are treasonous people in the church. There's treasonous people in the home. There's treasonous people in your jobs. And when God's people don't respond in submission to God's word, they commit treason. Which was the great sin that Gideon was trying to eradicate. Jesus experienced treason in the clearest form in the man named Judas. Judas sold Jesus out for money. Money was Judas's motivation. And it's one reason for treason, to make more money. But Judas also didn't like the way Jesus was leading the ministry. Power was G Judas's motivation, which is another reason for treason. 
Judas made a mockery of it by acting that he, that he loved Jesus, betraying him with a kiss. Judas betrayed Jesus with a kiss. Yet he committed treason against him. Truth is, Judas loved Judas, and that's the main reason for treason. It's because you love yourself more than you love God and his people. That's why the men of Succoth and Penuel did not help out when they were called upon to help out. Because they loved themselves more than they loved God and his people. Paul wrote of the dangers of treason by, as he was continuing on his missionary journey from Ephesus when he said this. He said, I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among your own selves, from the inside, men speaking twisted things will draw away disciples after them. From the inside. He's saying they'll come from the outside, but they'll also come from the inside. Treason doesn't just happen out there. It happens in here. It doesn't happen outside of your house. It happens inside the house. It doesn't happen outside of your job. It can happen inside of your job. But how do you identify them? There's lots of ways, but there's a couple things that I think are pretty clear. One, they're highly intelligent. Treasonous people are highly intelligent. Leaders in the Jewish community were often chosen because they had intelligence, which is a form of wisdom, but it's not really wisdom, because if they're really smart, they'd be careful about fearing God. But intelligent people think they're smarter than God. They think they can get away with what they're getting away with, so they think they can be treasonous, and it's okay. This clearly becomes noticeable when you recognize that God's people are known as sheep, and sheep are naive. And sheep will follow anyone who sounds intelligent without any obedience which plays into the wolf's strength. Some of you will follow treasonous people because you're naive. Well, they sound like it's right. They sound sounds like it's true. And I see that with, with a lot of the, the uh, podcasts and all the stuff you're listening to that you think, well, this guy sounds really smart, but do you know that guy? Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice and, and they know me and they follow me. They knew the voice of Jesus. They knew what was true, not what, they, what somebody told them was true. They also seek to separate. You can identify them because they seek to separate. Traitors don't openly betray. They separate. They choose to get you away from the things of God. They make little snide comments about leadership. That Jesus. <laughs> healing on the Sabbath. That Jesus. I don't like the way he's leading this group. I, he's supposed to be the king of kings and lord of lords. And I don't see. They're going to crucify him. Who's Jesus? Little negative complaints about structure. About how things are done. I, I'm still old school. My, my home is my wife's. I just work to pay the bills. But how it's run is up to her. It's her house. Why do I say that? Because it's her structure to set up. And who am I to say, I think, I, you know, I think you should do it this way. Well, I don't know anything about running a house. Amen? 
And yet how many husbands are being traitorous towards their wife by telling them things that they should have no right to tell them? But they make the little negative complaints or little posts that are passive-aggressive, which I couldn't imagine. See, I'm not very, I, I don't care about uh, the uh, Facebook and YouTube and I, I don't care about all that stuff. I, I, I couldn't care to be a part of it. I, sh I should, I guess. It's a thing. But I just, I just don't care. But I couldn't imagine my wife, me getting in a fight and then finding her son, put something online that's passive-aggressive towards me. <laughs> it's got to happen, right? Right? I'm going to tell the world how messed up my husband is and this is how I'm going to do it. If you really love your wife, you would do these eight things and your husband does none of them. They're intelligent. And they, choose, they seek to separate. They want to get you away and under their leadership. Amen. Jesus gave a great warning on how to recognize and respond to the treasonous people. And he said this, and we're going to be done. He said, beware. Beware. Beware of false prophets, false teachers, false preachers, false believers. And this is nothing more than a simple warning that Jesus is saying that there are such things as treasonous Christians who sound right but aren't right. You are a fool if you don't think, just because somebody claims Jesus and they go to a church, that doesn't mean they don't have the ability to be treasonous in their life. Beware of false prophets. They are out there. They are available. They are ready. They want to get you to follow them. And they will try to separate you from them because they've got so much more intelligence than the idiot pastor you've got. Amen. You're thinking it. I'm just saying it. Beware. There are always going to be those who sound right but aren't right. Don't be fooled by the fact that the, just because somebody comes to church on Sunday and the husband and wife look like they got it all together, they got it all together. Because if you had a camera in their house, you would find out things aren't as pretty as they seem on Sunday. Amen. I mean, is that not true? You've you got to recognize that not all marriages are as put together as they look. Y'all don't want to play today. That's okay, I'll, I'll play by myself. <laughs> Beware, be smart. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. They come to you in humility, but they're prideful. I put it this way, they seek a Christian identity, but they have a satanic reality. They come with a Christian identity, but a satanic reality. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 13 says, for such men are false apostles, deceitful workmen, disguising themselves as apostles of Christ. And no wonder that even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. So it is no surprise if his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness, their end will correspond to their deeds. I'll make it simple. Be smart because they can look the part. Oh, they can look like they've got it all. They can look like they're highly spiritual. They can look like, but they're not. 
if you're dating somebody, maybe you're not married at this point in time and you're dating someone, you can always find a guy that looks the part or a girl that looks the part. Then once you get married, you find out that's not the person that I thought they were at all. They just committed treason because they're not what they portrayed themselves to be. Be prepared. I got to give you something to go with today. I can't just yell at you the whole day and then walk out. Be prepared. You'll recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Now, remember in the initial story, the men of Succoth were punished with thorn bushes and thistles. So there's kind of a connection here. But you can recognize them by their fruits. You can recognize them by their fruits. You can recognize them by their fruits. The Bible tells us in Galatians chapter 5 that there's a fruit of the Spirit and that we can tell who's bearing the Spirit of God and who's not. So when you see somebody who's treasonous, or, or not treasonous, you see somebody who's true, you see them loving God. They love God. Because the fruit of the Spirit is love. The first point is love. They love God. They give themselves to God. They sacrifice their lives for God. They love His Word. They love the Word of God. Now, I'm not talking about just loving it for information, but they love it. They love to read it and to, to be convicted by it and to be changed by it and to follow it and to be submissive to it. They love it because they want to surrender themselves to it. Do they love his church? The church is known as the bride of Christ. I'm going to tell you, and I've told you guys this for years. If you, don't, if you love me and you don't love my wife, you don't love me. Because we're one. You got a problem with her, you got a problem with me. You got a problem with the church, you got a problem with God. No, I love God, I just don't love the church. No, that's the problem, you can't. You can't love God and not love his bride. Oh, she's not perfect, don't get me wrong. Well, she is, but I'm not. But the reality is, do they love God's people? I mean, literally, will they surrender their life for God's people? Will they surrender their life for their church? Or are they holding back? Do you see their disposition? You know what's true about treasonous people is they have this negative disposition where the fruit of the Spirit is joyful. Joyful, 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 joyful. Whenever I run into somebody who's a Christian that's not joyful, I question their salvation. I just do. Okay, here we go. Y'all getting quiet on me now. Do they have peace? Do they have patience? Do they have kindness? Do they have goodness? Do they have gentleness? See, the false teachers, the, 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 the treasonous believers, tend to be serious all the time. Like, everything's serious. You know, being a Christian can be a happy thing. Being forgiven, being born again, being loved by God is a positive thing. You can actually come to church and enjoy yourself. You guys should try that once in a while. It's a joke. Not a good joke. The troubled Christian makes me wonder, are they treasonous or are they true? Because we're supposed to have peace, peace that passes all understanding. Whatever's going on in your finances, do you have peace? Whatever's going on in your family, do you have peace? Whatever's going on in your body, do you have peace? If you don't, it's probably because you're not praying. Okay, that was fun. 
impatient, rude, rude Christians. You can't, you're a treasonous Christian to be rude. Because we're supposed to be gentle and good and kind. And judgmental Christians. I know someone's going to quote me the passage of Scripture that says, judgment's supposed to begin at the house of God. Yeah, well, let's start with you and your house. It depends on your disposition. Someone with the fruit of the Spirit is just a good person, kind and good. And they're not trying to get anything from you. They're trying to give something to you. Do you see their dedication? Are they faithful to God and are they under self-control? They're so dedicated to the things of God that they'll get things under control. I'll break it down a little farther. Are they sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ? I believe people who are not traitorous have a truth they want to share and his name is Jesus. And they want people to know Jesus. They just don't want to complain about how the the, 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 the gospel is shared. They want to actually share the gospel. Okay, that was fun. Do they point people to forgiveness or not, on, or not only of their own sins but the sins of others? Like, do you propagate... Oh, what, I wrote something here that I can barely see. Or are they propagating people's complaint? That's what a wolf will do. That's what a false teacher will do. That's what a traitorous person does. Is they propagate to gate a complaint well I'm just I hear people say this all the time well I'm just trying to vent and I gotta have someone to vent to I'm gonna tell you who to vent to as a Christian if you're a Christian you got one, one being to repent uh, to, to vent to his name is God get on your knees where you repent and you can vent all you want there don't dump that garbage on other people well I gotta talk to somebody talk to him He's the one that's going to defend you. He's the one that's going to fight for you. He's the one that's going to tell you whether you're wrong or not. Okay, that was fun. Are they fulfilling the ministry of reconciliation? Is their goal to bring people together with God and each other? Or is their goal to separate? A treasonous believer is not trying to build the church. They're trying to tear it down. They're not trying to build the family. They're trying to tear it down. They're not trying to build the job. They're trying to tear it down. And finally, and we'll be happy, be spiritual. Jesus taught in Matthew chapter 7, verse 17. So every, this is really deep, so hang with me. So every healthy tree bears good fruit. Are we there? But a diseased tree bears bad fruit. I'm not trying to make you sound stupid. I'm just trying to make it really clear. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit. Nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus you will recognize them by their fruits when you read the story of Gideon asking the men of Succoth and Peniel to give some of their bread to help the weary 300 and they taunted Gideon mocking him a person who was healthy in his relationship with God would recognize that that was wrong 
Is that not true? A healthy Christian, a healthy spiritual person would recognize that's wrong. Because a good tree can't bear bad fruit. And a bad tree can't bear good fruit. But a good tree can bear good fruit and a bad tree can bear bad fruit. This is deep. A healthy person could recognize it was wrong. Let me just give you this. Luke chapter 6 verse 45 in the NLT. A good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart. I'm sorry, this is so simple, it just drives me nuts. A good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart, and an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. What you say flows from your heart. What, what is in your heart? When I hear a husband being negative towards his wife, you know what I know? You're a treasonous husband. You don't have to clarify. I can tell. If you're speaking negatively about the woman that you committed to do life with the rest of your life, till death do you part. And you're negative about her. I know this about you. I am not stupid. I know that's bad fruit, bad tree. When I hear a a wife bad-mouthing her husband, letting everybody know how messed up he is, which healthy people already know. You know what it tells me? Treasonous wife. When I hear children complain about their parents, you know what it tells me? Treasonous child. Bible says in Ephesians chapter 5 verse 22 wives submit yourself to your own husbands as unto the Lord when I see an unsubmissive wife I see a treasonous wife when I see a submissive wife I see a true wife this is so frustrating because it's so true and you know it when I see a husband bad-mouthing his wife, the Bible says, husbands, love your wives or give your life to your wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. When a man won't sacrifice everything he's got for his wife, it tells me he is a treasonous husband because your job, your role is to give your life the way that Jesus gave his life for our, the church. When you're selfish, it tells me you're being treasonous. The scripture says in Ephesians 6, 1, children, obey your parents and the Lord, for this is right. You want to rebel against your kids or your parents? It tells me you're a treasonous child. And a spiritual person can recognize the difference. You know what's good and you know what's bad. When I hear a Christian mock and make snide comments or speak under their breath about the church and its leadership, I know they're treasonous. I know it. When you try to pull people apart, away from the things of God, the church of God, it tells me you're treasonous. You're a treasonous Christian. Hebrews 13, 17 says, Obey the, your leaders and submit to them, for they're keeping watch over your souls as one who must have, have to give an account. I've got to answer. 
I've got to stand before God and give an account for how I pastored you. You don't think that doesn't scare the stuff out of me? Because I'm not a perfect pastor. I already know it. You don't have to tell me. You don't have to write it out. You don't have to post it online. I know how messed up I am. Amen? Let them do it with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. When you speak under your breath about the church and its leadership, you're just a treasonous Christian. If you come to me and tell me about all the problems you had at your last church, I know this. You're a treasonous Christian, and if you can be treasonous towards your last church, you'll be treasonous towards this church. Amen. I'm enjoying the word today. I'm just glad. You know it, you know it when you hear it if you're healthy. That's the danger of the treasonous Christian. The men of Succoth and Peniel, all the leadership of Succoth and Peniel followed the wrong leadership instead of following the leadership that God put in place. And they should have heard the way they were mocking Gideon and they should have known, that's wrong. I taught my leadership something about three years ago and I, don't, still, I still don't think they've wrapped their minds around it. And that is, the hardest thing about being a good Christian is sometimes you have to choose faith over friends. Sometimes you've got to recognize you've got some friends in your life that are treasonous people towards God and the things of God. They're treasonous towards their spouse. They're treasonous towards the church. They're treasonous towards their children. They're treasonous towards their parents. And sometimes you've got to choose faith and say, I can't, I'm supposed to avoid them according to the scripture. Ephesians 5, 6, and we'll be done. Praise God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not become partners with them. You know, you can tell your wife you love her all you want. But if you don't show her that you love her, you don't love her. And you're just being treasonous. And you want them to be partnering with you. And it's hard for them to do that because they want to partner with somebody they can trust. Husbands don't need to know how messed up they are. They already know. They need a wife that will support them and encourage them but never betray them. See, the problem's not just outside the room. The problem's inside the room. The problem's in here. Some of you are treasonous in your relationship with God and the church. Some of you are treasonous in your relationship with your spouse. Some of you are treasonous in your relationship to your parents. And you want me to whitewash it and say everything's going to be okay. It's not. If you're an unbeliever in this room, I know this truth may be shocking to you, but it's high treason and a high crime against God to be treasonous towards your own people. And to whitewash it would be to lie to you, and I'm not going to lie to you. This is not a sermon you preach the Sunday after Easter. Easter. 
You need something more pastel. God is good and you're good and good is good and everything's good. And then you go out there and go, oh, everything's bad. That's, he lied to me. No, I'm telling you, it's just as bad in here as it is out there. That's encouraging. There are traitors everywhere, but when they're on the inside, they're the most dangerous. Some of you are in marital relationships where you know the traitor's in the home, and you know how bad that is. Listen, if you've done church long enough, you know there's traitors in the church who will draw men after them to follow them. Is that not true, church? How many church splits happen because there's a traitor in the church? I've been fighting this war for 25 years. Well, actually, 30 years. I was five years a deacon. And I'm just going to be honest with you. I'm getting tired. And I need some help. We need some help to do the ministry that God's called us to do in this community. Whatever you're going through, whatever struggle you're having, having, whatever traitor is in your home, whether you're the traitor or you're living with a traitor, which is sad to say, come vent where you repent. Come vent where you repent. And someone's going to say, well, I'm not going to go forward. They're going to think I'm a traitor. Nobody cares what somebody else thinks. What we care about is that you get things right with God today. I don't believe that God gave me this message for today for any other reason, but he knew exactly who was going to be here who needed to hear this. And maybe you're struggling in a place where you're the treasonous person. Come repent. Maybe you're in a home where there's treason going on, where you feel betrayed all the time. Listen, just come and pray that God would help them see it. Maybe somebody's been trying to draw you away from the things of God and the, the church of God and the the, let's just be right and say man of God. Maybe you need to pray for them because they're going to face the wrath of God. Let's stand and pray. Not yet. Father, this was not fun. I did not enjoy this at all. This was not... Father, when I was a younger man, you knew that I used to love this kind of stuff. But right now, I'm just, I'm brokenhearted at the state of, the, of Christianity in America, especially today. There's so much treason going on. Where there are those who are maybe in a minority fighting for the kingdom. And we're just going to keep following you and trusting you. We're just going to keep going. But we still have to deal with those on the inside. Father, there's so many homes that are so messed up right now. Treason happening between couples. Not living as true Christians at all.
Father, I, I believe with all my heart the reason why the church is dying in America today is because Christians aren't being true. I think we want to, but maybe it's because we're not hearing what you brought today. Father, I don't know where to go. Soften their hearts. Help them see. Father, if somebody's living in a treacherous or traitorous marriage, Lord God, give them hope. Give them 1 Peter chapter 3. Father, if they're struggling with the church, give them Hebrews chapter 10. To provoke one another into love and good works, not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together as a manner of some is, but exhorting one another so much the more as you see the day approaching. We are getting so close to the end. Oh, that children would show respect to their parents. Father, we love you. We, we, we need you today. Help me understand where you want me to continue to move forward with this church. I want them to have the best Christian life there is, but it, we're at war. And we need some soldiers. who will stand up and fight. Not each other, not their spouses, not their parents. But the real enemy, the enemy on the outside. Jesus, we pray. With heads bowed and eyes closed, I don't really know where to go from here other than to say the altar is open. Some of you guys are trying so hard to lead your families to a Christian life and you're facing a traitorous spouse or traitorous children. Come give that family up to God. Just surrender them to Him. Some of you don't know, but you're under attack by a wolf. They're trying to separate you from the things of God that you know are good for you you know are healthy maybe pray that God would open your eyes and your heart up to, the, to hear what's really being said that you'd notice bad fruit because you know what good fruit is love, joy, peace, long suffering gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance There's no need for law because that's the way people are living in Christ. Maybe come and pray for those that you know are treasonous towards God. Instead of complaining about them and fighting them, why don't you just come and give them to God?
Father, some are venting, some are repenting. Some are seeking. Open their hearts up to you, Father. Let your spirit speak to them. surrender all I surrender all all to thee my blessed Savior I surrender all we surrender all we surrender all all to Thee, my blessed Savior, we surrender all. We belong to You, Lord. We are Yours. Encourage our hearts to seek Your face today, Lord God. Let us meditate on the word that you've, they've heard today. Let them respond to Your leadership. In Jesus we pray, and all God's people said, Amen. Don't leave yet. My wife's got something she wants to share real quick. I am really, really, really excited <laughs> to invite all of you women and you women online as well to our women's night this Friday, the 21st, 6 p.m. here at the church. Bring an appetizer, any type of finger food to share with one another and bring a friend or however many friends you want to bring. <laughs> We are going to have a wonderful time. We are going to have a time of fellowship and obviously eating, <laughs> which is always fun and good. And we're going to have teaching. We're going to have worship. If you need prayer, come. We'll have someone pray over you, pray with you. Uh, we are having Barbara speak. She's giving the word, and it's going to be hey. a great lesson. Yes, let's give her a hand already because it's going to be good. It's going to be so good. So... <laughs> So we are really, really excited. If you want to come get your worship on, we're going to do that. And it's a great time to come and connect with other women. Some of you don't know each other very well, and it would be a great time to connect. And also a great time to just grow in the Lord as well. So expect to come and have fun. Expect to come and grow in Jesus as well. We love you all so much, and I can't wait to see you. If you don't see someone here today, reach out to them and invite them because maybe they're either downstairs, maybe they're sick, who knows. But reach out to all the women you know and bring them with you. And guys, don't be a traitor. Watch your kids. Yes, Amen. have your men watch. I'm just, I'm just saying. <laughs> watch your children. I'm saying they're your children too. It's a women's night out. <laughs> Is no, no child care. Right, yeah, we, we won't have childcare, so yeah, reach out to your significant others and have them watch your kids. Father, I love this woman, I just thank you for her, and I pray that you just encourage the ladies of this church to get to know one another on a deeper level than just a few minutes they meet each other on a Sunday morning. Lord, let it be uh, uh, an encouraging time for them, and Lord, we just pray that your spirit uh, uh, empowers Barbara to bring the, a great lesson to the ladies. Just encourage them to, to hear the word, to worship you, to eat good food. And pray for the husbands that have to watch the kids. We love you so in Jesus' name. And all God's people said.